0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pursuit of Service podcast. Today, I will be interviewing author, speaker, and leadership expert Zoe Hicks. Uh, We discuss one of her books, which is coming out on audio version on Amazon Audible uh, very soon. Uh, And that book is called Dreamcatcher, The Power of Faith. And in it, Zoe provides just very practical observations and tips on how to live by faith and apply the power of faith into your life. so get your notebook check out the show notes for how to get a hold of that audiobook or the book and i hope you enjoy this interview with zoe hicks Hey, Zoe, how are you?
1: I'm good, Jeff. How are you today?
0: I'm doing fabulous, and I'm so excited to speak with you today. Thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Pursuit of Service podcast.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna talk about um, some of your writings and specifically one of your books. Um, Before we get into that though, just tell us for the sake of our listeners a little bit about yourself, your journey, what you're working on now and how you pour a whole lot into into the faith community and leadership and things like that.
1: Okay, well, thank you, Jeff. Um, Well, I guess by training, I am an estate planning attorney but retired almost totally from that and have moved into writing and some speaking. And what I write and speak about are faith-based topics. Um, I've written my first book, my first faith-based book was about the power of faith, which um, is a book that's recently been made into an audio book. But I've also written about the power of prayer, about getting through tough times with God's help, about abundant living, and about stewardship. So those are some of the topics that I have delved into, and it's always exciting to see how God leads in helping me to put together a book, which is mind-boggling if I were to do it in my own strength, but fortunately, I don't have to, so um, I just enjoy seeing what God does through me when he leads me to write a book on a particular faith-based topic.
0: Amen, and, and well said, and I'd love to talk about all of those, so, so maybe we can get into that, or, or maybe we'll have you back on and talk about some of the other books, um, but you mentioned the one that is coming out on, um, or it's just been done um, as an audio book, um, and that's your first book, Dreamcatcher. So tell us, what is that book about?
1: Well, Dreamcatcher is about the power of mountain-moving faith. Jesus talked about having faith, even a little bit of faith, the size of the grain of mustard seed. And he said, if we had even this much faith, we could say to a mountain, be moved, and it would be moved and cast into the sea. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think this is just hyperbole on Jesus' part when he's speaking. But I decided to delve into it and to see if that were really true. We really had faith that didn't waver if our prayers for impossible things could get answered. So that's what I was exploring in the book.
0: That's awesome. And just glancing at it here, what I love about it is it's very practical in nature. I mean, you even say in the introduction, look, you're a busy person to even read this book, and I'm not going to waste your time, but I'm going to equip you with uh, some of the tools to actually apply that faith. And and you mentioned in there, we're not talking about faith in the terms of, oh, I believe in God, but really that that kind of almost nature-defying type of faith in terms of moving the mountains. Um, And I'm just so excited that it's coming out in audio format because I think it'll be the perfect tool for someone to listen to while they're driving to work or they're going for a walk and that sort of thing and just getting their mind right for for their day in their life. Um, But when we talk about moving faith, there must be obstacles. What gets in the way of us having that all-in 100% uh, you know, mustard seed moose mountains type faith?
1: Yeah, well, usually if we're having, if we're thinking about this kind of faith, what we are hoping, what we are praying for is something big, is something that we can't get in our own strength, It's something that maybe is counterintuitive, uh, is something that the facts would tell us can never happen. So obviously, if this is the case, then we're going to have doubts. We're gonna wonder if this can really happen, if this kind of faith can really make a difference. So one of the obstacles would be doubts. Another one would be fear and worry. If if we're, let's say, uh, someone has been diagnosed with cancer, Well, that's scary. And this person is praying to be healed. Well, fear, just the fear of the disease could take over and could hinder that kind of faith. So fear and worry would be an obstacle. Depending on what the prayer is, what are we praying for? Could be lack of vision. Sometimes we're not very specific. We're just too vague. And we don't have a clear vision of what we're really asking for. So that's an obstacle, actually. We may be too security-oriented. We may not be willing to step out in faith and take some steps that we need to take. That can be an obstacle. And finally, I think just we may have a feeling that we're not good enough to get this whatever we're asking for. So those are some of the things that we have to encounter as we are trying to exercise this kind of faith. It's, it's like, it's simple, but it's not easy. I mean, the, the formula is simple. Just have faith. Yeah. But it's, it's not that easy to do it. We have to train ourselves and we have to meet these obstacles and learn how to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of those obstacles are internal. and We just have that inter- that internal nature. Um when I talk to folks about things like volunteering or or you know, volunteering to lead or taking the initiative to lead something or even teaching a bible study for the first time, those very same things come come into place. It's, it's like those little seeds that the enemy wants to put in us to undermine you know, mm-hmm. our belief in ourselves and that that's the fear, that's the doubt, the imposter syndrome that comes along. So um, how do we increase our faith and overcome those?
1: Yeah, that well, And that's really what the book is about. So there are several things. I think we always go to the word of God and see what what the word says. I had an eighth grade math teacher that used to say frequently, if all else fails, follow directions. So what do the directions say? I like to call the Bible the manufacturer's handbook. Well, first of all, um, I think we need to, to line up our thinking, speaking, and acting with whatever it is we are praying for and believing for. James tells us that if we're double-minded, we're not gonna get what we ask. So we have to be focused. We have to have integrity in what we say, what we think and the way we act. So if we're praying to be healed and then we always say every day, I feel terrible, I'm getting worse, You know, that's, that's not lining up our speech with our prayer and what we have to think and believe for. So that's one way we can increase our faith. We, we have to receive it before we see it with our physical eyes. We receive mm-hmm. it now, we'll see it with our physical eyes later. But we have to realize that the receipt, we have to have it. It is now. So another thing we can do, and this is the way Abraham increased his faith, we are told in Romans chapter 4. Abraham praised God. God told Abraham when he was like way on up there in years Mm. that he was going to be the father of many nations. And Sarah was way on up there in years as well. Well, She laughed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This was impossible from a human standpoint. But Abraham built his faith through praise and worship. So as we praise and worship and keep our eyes on God who can do anything, for whom nothing is impossible, then our faith is built up because we're not depending on the natural. We're depending on God who is supernatural. Mm -hmm. And we keep our eyes focused on him. Another thing we can do is use the power of imagination. We can, when we pray, instead of just praying and then moving on to the next prayer, we can stop and we can visualize that answer. And we can imagine, get our emotions involved in what it would be like to see it with our physical eyes. This is um, something we really haven't been taught to do. We have been taught to ask, but we haven't really been taught to take time to just receive and visualize and breathe light into our prayers. So that can be a very powerful technique. We also can sow where we want to reap. The Bible tells us that we reap what we sow. So how would we do that? Well, for example, if we're praying for healing, we can sow into the lives of other people who have the same illness that we have. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. We're sowing into their lives where we want to reap. So that principle of sowing and reaping can come into play. And finally, we've got to be persistent. And Jesus told us a parable about that, about the widow who kept going back to the unjust judge to get what she wanted. And finally, he gave in just because he was tired of seeing her. But if we just keep at it, and don't give up just because it takes a while. There's a uh, there's a good story in the book about a young lady whose mother told her that before she was born, when the mother was 16 years of age, she had had a baby that she put up for adoption because she was just too young to raise the baby. And so, and they... The, The baby had the same father. Eventually, she married the man who was the father of this baby. And then they had this young woman. Her name was Carrie. So Carrie decided that she wanted to find her brother. So she did everything she knew. She prayed. She hired a private detective. She kept believing that somehow she would find her brother. And yet all the adoption records had been sealed. So this went on for 11 years. She kept believing that somehow she would find her brother. Well, one day she moved to San Francisco and a friend of hers there asked her out to dinner. So she went to dinner with the friend and the friend brought along another friend. And the subject came up of how Carrie was trying to find her brother that had been adopted in another state a long time ago. So the friend of the friend said, yeah, I was adopted, and I've been trying to find my birth parents, and I know what you mean. So Carrie said, well, my brother would be older than you. He would be 34. And this guy said, I'm 34. And she said, well, but he would be Jewish. And this guy said, I'm Jewish. Hmm. So long story short, this was her brother. Wow. Finally, finally, through her persistence and her belief and her unwavering faith, she had found, they had the DNA test done, and and this Mm -hmm. indeed was her brother. So, you know, we have to be persistent. So those are some of the ways that we can build our faith that the book talks about in a lot more detail.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, even that story right there, I mean, she she did all the things that you do, but it was the faith that got there through what we would think of in earthly eyes as a coincidence. Um, there's one chapter I wanted to, to bring up because you mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago about imagination, which leads me to the power of the mind and things of that nature. Um, and there's a chapter in the book on physics and faith. That mm-hmm. is a fascinating topic to me, how the natural world and the supernatural world Um, interact and, and coincide, in my opinion, but tell us what that chapter is about.
1: Right. Well, you know, before I wrote this book, I went to the library one day, and I saw this book called Taking the Quantum Leap, and I thought, wow, what that's about, and for some reason, I checked it out and read it, and it was fascinating. It was written by a physicist, and he could write in a way that lay people could understand it, But long story short, before about 1930, physicists believed that the world was predetermined. Everything was just set. And the physicist's job was just to discover the rules. And once the rules were discovered, just to work with them. But sometime around 1930, physicists began to see that there was something wrong with that theory. And they weren't quite sure what it was. But there was a young German physicist by the name of Werner Heisenberg. And he was observing with his microscope that at the quantum level, the tiniest level, the little electrons that he would observe were sensitive to his thought pattern. Hmm. That they would like move when he would think certain ways. And so he began to think that maybe the minds of the physicists, the minds of people could cause things to come into being, to happen. And so this whole new area of physics called quantum physics or quantum mechanics developed and it's, it's really fascinating. It's, it's kind of like science fiction in a way, but basically we have, as, as Fred Allen Wolf, the author of this Taking the Quantum Leap book says, we have the ability through our thoughts and through our consistent thoughts to cause things to happen, to materialize. He says that our thoughts create quantum waves quantum wave functions, and that through space and time, they operate to bring into existence what we think about. Mm. So that's what this chapter is about. It's kind of like the world of science substantiates what Jesus taught us. Mm. Because Jesus said, have faith, and you will receive it. Mm. Well, now, these scientists are saying, Yes,
0: that's right. Wow, that's amazing. And like I said, I'm so fascinated about how all that works. There's another book that I read recently called uh, Believing is Seeing. And it's written by one of these astrophysicists that through his scientific method of thought process um, came to the conclusion that, you know, God and science are actually in complete agreement, not in any sort of, of conflict. Um, so we have uh, a bunch of leaders that are listening. And like I said, about practicality with this book is I, I love how you lay out so many steps that you can do. Um, and there are definite leadership applications if we were to take these and apply them to our faith life and our leadership life. And so you use these uh, to accomplish a, a pretty pretty big fundraising um, method so tell us about how you actually applied this so you put sure. you know yeah. you put it to work.
1: right. Our women's group at our church has long been involved in the nation of Liberia on the west coast of Africa. We've been over several times on mission trips. we've met the women leaders. we've made friends with them. they're amazing women. they are prayer warriors. And through our trips over there, we learned that they have had a heart for the street girls there. The street girls are really orphans who just live on the streets and support themselves basically through prostitution because there's no other way for them to earn money to eat. The government has no money to support them. There's no defects. There's no Mm
2: -hmm.
1: nothing like that there. So... Our friends in Monrovia, Liberia, wanted to build a compound to bring the girls in so that they could be cared for, they could be trained, they could be treated if they were sick, and they could be fed so that they could teach them marketable skills and they could go out and support themselves in honorable ways. They've had this dream for years. We've been going over for since 2009, so we've heard about this dream. So during COVID, they requested help to get this compound built, and it was going to take, in US dollars, $263,000. So sometime back, another woman in our church and I were co-presidents of our women's group And we were the ones that got us involved in Liberia to begin with. So we went to the group and said, we really need to help these women. We know them, they have integrity, they will do what they say they will do and we need to raise this money. Well, (laughs) this was a mountain because Mm -hmm. we'd never raised that much money before, not even close. And people kind of looked at us like we were crazy, but, you know, they said, well, how are we going to do it? So, first of all, we had our goal. We had an exact goal. I even used cents. It was $263,927.50. And I would always use exactly that amount of money that we needed to raise. And we had about a year to do it. So, we kept that number in front of everybody. We kept saying that number. And we went to the other units within our denomination, other women's groups in our district within our denomination, and asked them to join us. So we had several other units that were joining with us to raise this money. And the money began to come in. You know, one unit would send $500, another unit would send $2,000, and we were excited. So, slowly but surely, we began to see the thermometer on the fundraising needle move upward, upward, upward. We knew we were going to need more than just these other units. So, we contacted trustees of foundations that we knew within our church and some other large churches in our denomination and the foundations were good we would get 10,000 30000 30 even 40,000 from them but just a few weeks short of our deadline we were still 70,000 dollars short of the goal so at this point in in order to get there you really begin to see how to how you have to counter and encounter obstacles because the enemies of fear and doubt and worry and negativism
2: mm.
1: attacked even my co-chair said I just don't think you should be disappointed we've we've raised plenty I don't want you to be disappointed when we don't reach our goal but I thought I can I can't go there mm. I just can't go there. So I kept thanking God. That was the only thing I knew to do, just thank God. I felt like this was of God. He wanted these girls taken care of. So I kept thanking God. I kept seeing in my mind, I even wrote the speech for our celebratory brunch that we were going to have celebrating the end of the fundraiser, just announcing that we had reached the goal. You know, I was doing everything I knew. Thing the book says to do. So still we didn't have the money. We were 70000 short. How are we going to get 70000 very quickly? Well, I was talking to a friend of mine. She has a foundation and she had already made a contribution. Her foundation had given us, I think, $10,000 or something like that. And she said that this was just about six weeks before the deadline. She said, I've decided I'm going to have to terminate my foundation. Mm. And I said, oh, well, why is that? She said, well, it's just too much trouble. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of all the record keeping. I'm tired of all the tax returns and everything. And so I thought, well, if she's got to terminate it, the money's got to go somewhere.
2: Mm. So, yep.
1: So I said, well, and I was saying, I was talking to her, but I was mentally praying. I said, well, if you're going to terminate it, would you like to make up the difference in the $263,927.50 and what we have raised today, which is about going to be about $70,000. And I held my breath and prayed, prayed, prayed. But she said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Amen. and I just said I almost dropped the phone I really Mm -hmm. did and I just I couldn't I could barely even talk I was just Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed by God's goodness and his faithfulness to his word that he means what he says Mm -hmm. and so I just to her I said thank you thank you so much but you know since that time I mean it was a great celebration that we had raised the money But we've gotten pictures and reports of all that they're doing over there with the money to help the women. And it's just um, amazing. Um, God has just provided so much. And he provided a great
2: manager
1: of the compound for the women. Mm. So, you know, I think it's hard. It's simple. It's like losing weight. Well, everybody knows losing weight simple. You just eat less and exercise more, mm-hmm. right? But it's not easy. Right. It's simple, but it's not easy because we are going to be, we're going to encounter obstacles. A lot of them, like you said, Jeff, in our own mind.
0: That's amazing. What a powerful story. Um, last question on the book here is that you concluded with a chapter on blind faith. Can you explain what that's about?
1: Sure. Well, a lot of times, and I suppose most of the time, we know what we want. We know we want to we ask God for something, and we know that we need faith to see miraculous answers. But sometimes when we have prayed and prayed, the right thing to do is just say, God, you give me what you want me to have. In other words, just turn it over to God. Mm -hmm. Don't ask for anything. Just let God do it. And that is really a powerful prayer because at that point, we're just trusting God. And we're giving up control. We're giving up our own way of thinking, our own desire, own view of things. And we're trusting God to give us or whoever we're praying for the best. So that's what blind faith is about there's some good stories really powerful stories about people that have prayed that prayer many times after praying for something they specifically wanted and then just releasing it to god yeah and it's amazing that god will honor that and do do even more than what was the ask
0: is that do you think the the most difficult part or of all the all the techniques and all the different things that you go through and reference scripture is is having that just complete surrender the hardest one
1: you know that's a good question i think there's a time to pray that if you if you don't know for sure we felt confident that God wanted that compound built for those girls, you know. We we didn't, we did. I wouldn't have prayed that prayer. I wouldn't have said, "Well, God, if you want it built, you you know, if you don't want it built, that's fine." I mean, we felt pretty, because we'd been over there a lot, we'd seen the way they lived. But I think when when the right time to pray the blind faith prayer, is we have to admit we may not know what's best. Hmm. Um, and oh, we had that situation with our daughter when she was applying to college. And she, her first choice of colleges, she and her dad and I all agreed this would be the best college for her but she got waitlisted at that college. So we prayed and prayed and prayed that she would get in from the wait list. But fi- and my husband even, I mean, he was, had to go to his doctor. He thought he was having a heart attack. Mm. So finally, we said, you know what? This isn't right. We need to give this to God. We need yeah. to let him decide. I, I came to that conclusion, but my husband had not. He said, mm. no, you're... I'm going to keep praying. She gets into this college. But finally, he called up one day and said, I can't do it anymore. I'm surrendering. I'm giving it to God. Hmm. Fifteen minutes after he called me, he called me back. Oh, I can barely tell this story. And he said, the admissions office just called. They've admitted her.
0: Wow. Hmm. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So it's a pretty powerful prayer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, what advice would you have to anybody that want that for lack of a better term needs to get to that point? So your husband was saying, no, I'm going to keep praying for this thing. And you were like, Hey, I think we just need to give it to God that there's a transition there or attention or a release. Like we were saying before, what advice would you give someone to get to that point? Because the reason why I asked if that's the hardest part is for me, probably that would be the hardest one to just completely surrender control. Sometimes we need that little, that little bump over the edge. So what would you say to someone in that situation?
1: Well, I think we have to remember who God is, that he, A, he loves us. He, in this case, he He loves our daughter more than we do. Hmm. B, um, he's all wise. He knows things that we don't know. He makes better choices than we do. Um, And C, he's trustworthy and faithful. So we're not praying to a human being. We're praying to our heavenly father Mm -hmm. who knows better than we do, in this case where our daughters should go to college. But I think he was using that in this case as... As a training tool for us, I think he wanted us to. He wanted it wasn't that he didn't want to answer the prayer. He wanted to answer more than the prayer. Right. He wanted to get us to a higher level of trust in addition to answering the prayer.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, thank thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that's everything you just said is so so applicable and powerful powerful too. I mean, I think. Ultimately, we should seek God's will in everything that we do, yeah. and if we, if we do that in 100% uh, consistency, then then almost every prayer will be that that blind faith prayer, right? He leads us, and we follow His lead, and and we have right. our direction that He sends us. But if that's our heart's position, then maybe that transition is not as, as difficult.
1: Yeah, it's it, there's some really powerful stories of people that have prayed that prayer after they have prayed for what they wanted, mm-hmm. and then to see what God did with that. So, well,
0: that's tremendous. Undoubtedly, uh, some of our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and check out your books and and maybe even reach out to you. How can they uh, learn about you? What's the best place or the best method to to reach you?
1: Well, they can go to the website zohicks And if they would like to listen to this book on Amazon Audible, it should be available very shortly. They're just doing the final editing up there in Audible right now, but it will be um, available on Amazon Audible and the book can be ordered on amazon.com.
0: Awesome. Uh, Thanks again so much for your time. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm inspired. Yeah. what fun what fun so uh we will put those websites in the show notes as well for the listeners um i hope that you all enjoyed this conversation um and i hope that you're in a position that you can take this and i hope that you get the book and that you can strengthen your faith um, so that you can serve others not as a task but as a purpose